This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, let me go straight to the WhatsApp and let me go back to the Cork tip match on Saturday and Mary has been on and she was listening to the coverage of the match here on C103 and she was very much thinking of her own Paddy Palmer and she said at the end of the match what Paddy Palmer, how Paddy Palmer would have described it was what a match. Uh, Mary would agree 100% with what Paddy would if he was reflecting on the match but she particularly wants to say well done to John Cashman and that she really enjoyed uh, the commentary on uh, Saturday and a lot of people uh, enjoying the C103 commentary because of course it wasn't on the TV and concerns now and I was listening to Barry on our 10 o'clock news there about the concerns that have been expressed about the growing number of GAA matches that are now been locked behind a paywall and that decision not to show such high profile matches like the Cork tip match in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship on a Saturday has proven very, very controversial amongst GAA fans. But it's the advocacy group Age Action who are coming out saying that a digital first policy by the GAA has now resulted in what they're describing as an invisible barrier facing some county supporters, particularly the old, older ones. Almost 40 games for this season now has moved on to this streaming platform, which is run by GAA. It's called GAA Go. There's a problem with GAA Go. There's a charge involved and you also have to have good and decent broadband uh, as well. And there's a, a subscription fee if you want to watch any of the matches. Uh, the games were traditionally shown, you know, once upon a time, they were always free to air via uh, RTE. Then, of course, there was a period of time where a portion of them moved to uh, Sky, but then Sky decided to opt out. They're no longer interested in any of the GAA games. So that then allowed the GAA to step in themselves and to put it on their own streaming platform, GAA Go. And this for this season, 38 matches will be exclusively on GAA uh, uh, Go. Uh, so they won't be broadcast free to air. And Age Action, of course, who advocate on behalf of older people, they say some supporters are literally been left out and they're calling it this invisible barrier, which is created by that digital first approach by organisations and they're pointing to the GAA that they are now doing it. There's technology issues and there's broadband uh, connection that can all become a frustration for uh, customers. Now, if you want to watch all of the 38 games, you could pay €78 or if you just want individual matches, it will cost you €12 a uh, match. 
Now that there are different subscription pass, passes available, you know, for GAA clubs. And I believe as well that there are also subscription passes for nursing homes. I don't know how much that costs, but there are uh, different passes there. But for individual households, it's 12 euro to watch one match. Or if you want to get all 38, it's 78 a euro. And Head of Advocacy and Public Affairs, Celine Clark, was speaking out at the weekend. And she made the point that although the GAA have done really great work at creating age-friendly stadiums, she reckons now their approach off the pitch leaves a lot to be desired. She says people experience digital exclusion because either lack of skills, there's a lack of internet, they might be in an area where they have good connectivity and also, let's be honest, there's an affordability. €12 mightn't sound much to you or I, but if you're living on a very, very tight budget as a lot of old age pensioners are 12 euro could be the between the difference between bread and milk for the rest of the week are paying GAA go to watch the match and Celine Clark of Age Action saying unfortunately older people are are now expressing great frustration at this push by not just the GAA but a lot of other private enterprises and organisations you know she cited things like uh, banking moving everything online to this digital first uh, policy she said whether that's the streaming services like GAA or cordless or cashless turnstiles which we only spoke about last week she said it really deepens this digital exclusion and therefore she said there's a social exclusion uh, to it I remember Age Action reckons that there are nearly 300,000 older people who don't use uh, the internet and among the over 75s that's nearly half of that age group and you know there are a lot of older people and a lot of people aged 75 and over who are always kids when it comes to using the, the internet but unfortunately it isn't all of them and at least half of that age group are not internet savvy don't have access uh, to the internet and there is this feeling uh, and certainly Age Action are saying it it is discriminating older people and it's excluding them because of the fact that they can't use the internet so that particular argument is certainly going to rumble on and certainly on this programme on Friday we had calls in from people who are really really upset and it's one of those ones as as I say 38 games in total this season will go behind the paywall and of course it's only as it affects individual counties that people will start complaining about it and I mentioned Councillor Bernard Moynihan because only last week again we had he, we had Bernard in studio and he's very much advocating for the GAA to think of older people and to think of people who live in areas that don't have good broadband and rather than making every time you want to buy a ticket you have to book it online he wants the turnstiles to return whereby you can pay in cash or at least use a card at a turnstile well Bernard actually has emailed the programme today Cork today at c103.ie on this very topic of RT not showing the match and he says I believe it's a disgrace beyond belief. RTE not showing Cork versus Tipperary hurling match on Saturday and instead they can put on four hours of King Charles and the coronation. I believe it's also a form of abuse of older people who look forward to matches at weekends on TV. It's good for their mental health and it's good to keep them connected. It doesn't take into account parts of rural Ireland that don't have decent 
and broadband or some areas that have no broadband at all. Councillor Bernard Moynihan feels that this needs to be uh, called out and he's only one of a number who feels that it needs uh, to be uh, called out. Some people are very, very annoyed about GAA putting the Cork tip match behind a pay uh, wall. Uh, Pat said he'll never again uh, support the GAA. I can't read out all of what Pat is saying, but he's really, really vicious uh, about it all. The GAA is a group I've supported all my life, but never uh, again. Uh, And I can't read that part. Uh, I think everybody in Cork would agree with me. It's a disgrace that the match wasn't shown and putting it behind a paywall instead. Um, Hi, uh, Patricia says, Jer, I spoke with several people across the weekend who said only for the commentary on C103 uh, they wouldn't have been able to have heard or watched what was going on with the Cork Tipperary match. So well done to C103. I never thought I would see the day that the GAA would go commercial. It seems to all be about money. GAA is GAA go 38 matches during total um, will be showing some of the best matches this season and of course this is just to get the service off the ground and for people to sign up to it yes some did go and watch it watch it in bars but many others would simply like to have stayed at home and, and watched it at home um, and not ha- not been forced to go to a bar those people who volunteered over the years the people who trained under age teams and now they are the very ones who are not able to watch some of these matches it's disgraceful also so we have the issue of going along to the games and people must have their tickets download and booked in advance and paid for over the internet. It is isolating so many people. And Joseph in Inishannon is not happy with the lack of cash to buy tickets within the GAA. Yeah, that was the issue that we dealt with uh, only last week when we had, again, only last week when we had Councillor Bernard Moynihan. Now we did contact the GAA on the buying of tickets with cash previously and they told us why patrons are encouraged to pre purchase tickets. There is a tap card facility available on the day at Porky Cueve only. Club secretaries though are in a position to download and sell tickets to their members in advance of championship games, especially those who have difficulty in purchasing online. But that's all in advance. I think what a lot of people are saying is, what if you decide on the day that you want to go and you haven't, you don't have the facility to book online? It's it's catching out a lot of people. 0818103103. Can I just stay on the issue of the match? This has come in from Uh, Finbar, who was an umpire for well over 10 years and he wasn't happy with what he says in his email the shocking standard of refereeing at the match last Saturday he said two Tipperary players he felt if he was refereeing would have got straight red cards and would have been sent off the pitch immediately there is a player going to get very seriously injured with a very bad head injury if this standard of refereeing continues I hope that you raise this on your programme this morning Patricia because if Croke Park wants to see these games uh, uh, being refereed like this, I would say a prayer. Or if they're going to allow that standard of refereeing to continue, I can see a player getting badly I- injured. How Seamus Harnady's neck wasn't broken with the ta- tackle on him. My God, it was a terrible tackle. I've experience of working with people who've suffered brain injuries through these types of tackles. It has to be uh, stamped out. Does anybody with anyone else agree with Finbar? Now Finbar's coming at it from, from the point of view uh, he was an umpire. He he umpired for well over 10 years. So he knows what he's looking out for and he knows 
knows what he's seeing because you know you often particularly if a match doesn't go your way you'll often hear people give out about um, umpires and actually funny enough when we mentioned the late great uh, Paddy Palmer whenever I used to talk to Paddy on the programme he was always very quick to defend umpires and saying look they're you know, referees they're only doing their very best they can only do what they see is in front of them and he was always very slow to come out and uh, criticise and uh, you know and generally speaking what can happen is people will pick on the ref if the match doesn't go their way but what Finbar is raising I think is a much more serious issue that's the issue of somebody getting seriously injured if a tackle goes wrong Email Patricia now with your story or comment Cork today at c103.ie today on C103. Now sadly at the end of last month yet another pedestrian was killed on Charleville's main street with a tragic accident sending shockwaves once again throughout the town. Locals have been highlighting for years how dangerous the main street is for people who simply want to cross the road. Sharing those concerns uh, Evelyn O'Keefe who is chairperson of the Charleville Community uh, Forum. Uh, Good morning to you Evelyn. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks for having us on your show. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. And I suppose first, our, our deepest, deepest sympathies to the family of the latest uh, gentleman uh, to be killed on uh, Main Street in uh, Charleville. And Evelyn, am I correct in reading the figures that 11% of all of the deaths on the N20 were in Charleville? Yeah, exactly. Um, going by the statistics on the Transport Infrastructure Ireland website, they're saying that 62 deaths on the N20, um, the fatal deaths um, over the last 25 years. So now we can account for seven of those, which is 11%. So we can say 100% that they're 11% of all the deaths are on our streets here in Charleville. That's incredible. Um, so it, like the statistics are speaking for themselves loud and clear. And, you know, like accidents do happen and unfortunately it's part of life. But unfortunately, we'll say <coughs> HDVs in Ireland only account for 16% of the fatalities in the whole country. But yet here in Charleville, they're accounting for 100%. So something isn't right here in Charleville, you know. And like looking at the statistics, they're speaking for themselves. And like we shouldn't be on here at the seventh date and wondering why hasn't anything been done. You know, and with more and po- with more post offices and services closing in, you know, outlying areas, smaller villages, smaller towns, I'm I'm assuming that's forcing or, and moving more people to come into Charleville, so there are more people using the town. Exactly, and with the, our population here in Charleville currently is about five thousand, but of a Friday that would swell, um, as you have a lot of elderly coming in from post office collect money in the post office or the banks as all a lot of the rural post offices as we well know have been closed down so they don't really have any option but to come in you know so like we're not giving them the option to stay in their rural village and just go to their local shop and their local post office and do their business there They're, they actually have no choice to come in and they should be able to come in and feel safe um, unfortunately, the N20 has four times the national average fatality rate. And as we can see, Charvel obviously is a lot higher than that even. And uh, unfortunately, nothing seems to have been done and no lessons seem to have been learned from, you know, like accidents do happen in one or two or three, but we're on the number seven, like, and it's just, we've been it's asking for a relief road. It's, Way it's, too many. It's too, Way and too of course, many. it is the main transport route from Cork to Limerick and then up to uh, Galway. I mean, the main street in Charleville, it's always busy, isn't it? 
It is, it is. So we'd say we had a concert quoting over the weekend that there was 15,000 vehicles, mainly HGVs. We'd say at least half of the, them would be HGVs coming through the towns every day. So you're talking about 7,000 vehicles, and on Friday that could be ending up to 20,000. So we have 20,000 HGVs probably coming through travel of a Friday. And anyone that's driving up and down the main street of travel, you can see people are crossing everywhere. And some of these deaths actually occurred on pedestrian crossings. Oh, you know, so my goodness. Yeah, yeah, you and can't like, say people are, are, ta- are taking risks. Now, yeah, we, will, we will one day, but God knows when, get a motorway yeah. from Cork to Limerick. But in the meantime, Evelyn, it is now really urgent that the town of Charleville gets a, by, a bypass or a ring road. It's the only solution, it's, it's, isn't exactly. it? It's the only solution at this option. If we wait to what the current status now of the M20 motorway session 20 is beyond 2030 and beyond. So, like, they're not even committing to the 2030. And if that goes ahead, we will have half a dozen families here in Charleville that will be burying loved ones between now and then. And what is the value of a life? You know, how many reports, how many more feasibility studies, um, you know, how many more talking shops do we have to go through when the locals in, in the 90s submitted a plan to Cork County Council for a simple relief road to take all the traffic, um, the HGVs out of the town. As it was, Even at that point, it was a huge issue. And... Um, we just, we're just, we're gobsmacked, like. So we have a meeting, a public meeting organised for the 31st of May in the Deer Park Hotel, um, or at the Park Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm showing my age there. Um, <laughs> so that's at 7.30 on the 31st of May, and it's open to the public, and we have invited people like Parents Association and residents from the Main Street and anyone else that's interested. And um, like that, yeah, yeah. We don't want to, you know, we, you know, a lot of people have suggested, you know, that we block the street and things like that. We don't want to do that kind of thing. Again, that's putting people's lives and businesses at risk. We want a solution and we want it now. And I think people of Charleville have been extremely patient. We're 30 years on, you know, seven deaths later. And, you know, somebody said there recently, oh, it's only a matter of a time with the child. But every life matters. It's yeah, a matter yeah, of a child yeah, or an elderly yeah, person. Yeah. And unfortunately, they've all been elderly people. And we, and we and, are being um, encouraged by the present government to walk and to cycle more. I mean, that's simply not an option for people in Charleville. Yeah. Not a hope. Would you cycle down the main no, street in No, no. There's 15,000 vehicles coming through and the majority hate CVs. You know, <laughs> you mightn't recommend it to a friend. Like, yeah, know? yeah. And, 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 and I always feel as well, Evelyn, when, when, I'm, when I'm in Charleville, the local businesses have got to suffer uh, as well because the town is constantly gridlocked. Exactly, and people are avoiding travel of a Friday because they know how busy it is. And again, you've got to understand, these HGVs don't want to come through town. They're passing on to Limerick, Donegal, Galway, they're heading on. We're, they're only being delayed here in Charleville. And the thing is about HGVs, they have a huge blind spot. And it's only in the last week, like I've been researching it as I've been talking to HGV drivers, and they've been explaining that how a pedestrian is actually thinking that they're stopping for them, when in fact they're actually stopping in traffic. And when they go to move off, as traffic moves off, because it's always slow here in Charleville, the pedestrian gets caught. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and they, in every one of them, like you know, I've read some of the inquests, and the, the, the similarities are eerie. Like it's just the pedestrian presumed that the HGV was stopping for them, when in fact the HGV wasn't. It was usually um, it was either just stopped in traffic, and traffic started to move on, or it was actually we have um, perpendicular parking on one side and parallel parking on the other side of the street. So. 
people reversing out onto the main street cause traffic to be backlogged as well as the mm. trucks to stop. So as soon as that car moves off, the truck moves off and the pedestrians caught in, in between. It's and, and it's and for, it's for the family members to lose, you know, a much loved family member to die in such tragic circumstances like that. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. Oh, it is. And the consequences, it's not just the, the grief, it's the financial impact of losing somebody as well. Like, yeah, you know, that's yeah. two incomes sometimes coming into family that's one's wiped out overnight. Yeah. And, you know, all the family occasions that they'll miss for their kids and their grandchildren, you know, communions, things like that. You know, it's only, and it goes on for years, the effects of something like that, will, you know, it affects the family for years. And, like, we've got to remember, too, on the Friday and all those other days that um, those seven incidents happened, there was a lot of eyewitnesses because it's on the main street. And they're all affected by it. And you know, the, and really the HGV drivers. Like horrific. The drivers, Pardon? the HGV drivers. Exactly. Have that to live with that for the rest of their lives. With. Exactly, yeah. like you know, and your okay. heart goes out to them as well, you know. So we're just saying, like that we're we say we, you know, as far as Charles is concerned, we've had enough. We need, you know, some solid solution. And um, I don't think, you know, it's unreasonable ask at this. Okay, stage. and somebody else is saying, and this has come up before in the program that something needs to be done about the traffic lights at Aldi in Charleville oh, before yeah. somebody gets knocked down or killed trying to cross the road. What is the problem with the traffic lights at Aldi? <laughs> The thing, like, like obviously, if they're flash, flashing orange, yeah. they are actually working. So I think, is it some reason? Is it just to keep traffic flowing? But at the same time, the kids can't cross the road, and I've I, I've stopped there myself to let people cross, and, and the person on the other side of the car doesn't stop. So the child, even if it does go halfway across the road. It really can't get the other side. And again, if there's a HGV lorry as well, the visibility is very poor for the HGV yeah. drivers again. So, you know, it's, it's another death trap and okay. it's not been fixed. OK, so you're meeting 31st of May um, in the Park Hotel. Uh, will you remind us of that again closer to the time, Evelyn, so that I can give it we'll another really shout good. out for we'll you? Really OK, really and listen, thank yes. you. And thanks for joining thank us. Uh, good morning to Evelyn O'Keefe there. She's chairperson of the Charleville Community Forum. DJ on Twitter at C103 Cork says a dual carriageway slash motorway badly needed from Cork uh, to Limerick DJ we've been talking about it for 30 years uh, it would open up huge swathes of northwest Cork Duhallow East Kerry Limerick for investment new companies in this area would have access to all of the other areas of the country for transportation yeah but now I mean as Evelyn said the motorway has been put off now until I think 2030 I think it's then is it's been uh, it's it's not off on the cards until beyond 2030 and where are we at uh, 2023 and then there was an email in from Cleana uh, on this topic of Main Street in Charleville I want to support Evelyn who's speaking with you on the programme this morning who's highlighting what is a very serious situation in Charleville it should not have come to this that now seven people have lost their lives on the Main Street and nothing absolutely nothing was done over the 10 year period to prevent such trage- tragedies it's uncomprehensible to think of how many families have been left devastated by the loss of their loved ones also the lorry drivers who then have to live with the memory of being involved in a fatal accident and the powers that be have not taken any action to stop this from continuing to happen where are our elected representatives what are they doing I don't understand the lack of action this most definitely would not be the case if it was happening in 
in Kerry or Limerick. It's unacceptable that a blind eye has been turned to these deaths and multiple accidents on Charleville's Main Street between Cork and Limerick. Action must be taken now to get the HGVs off the Main Street. Most definitely a ring road is required. In the meantime, why not divert the trucks even for the three busiest days of the ta- in, in town, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. The Main Street is so dangerous with cars reversing out of their parking spaces also causing congestion. Drivers have no regard for pedestrians with the speed they do on entry to the town from both the Limerick and Cork side. The speed signage is very inadequate. There needs to be a larger signs and digital clocks to remind drivers to please slow down. The people of Charleville have had enough and I most definitely will support any plans to get action on this. Lives do matter. Now today is the 8th of May and the 8th of May is World Ovarian Cancer Day first established back in 2013 and on this one day of the year we globally raise our voices in solidarity in the fight against ovarian cancer well known advocate and herself an ovarian cancer patient is Anne Herdehy from Charleville who I'm delighted to say joins me today. Good morning to Anne Good morning, Patricia. Oh, How are you? I'm very well. And it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And I suppose the question, I return the question to you. How are you doing uh, health-wise and what's happening with your current treatment regime? Well, I'm doing okay. I had, um, the problem is um, my tumours are coming back to where they were originally. So they're being operated on every time they get to a certain size. So my last surgery was in Dublin uh, this time last year, I think. So I had one on the chest wall and one on the right lung, so they were removed. So I'm back on uh, oral chemo, a different form. So, so far, so good. Um, no problem. So God, have, you, have you lost count of the amount of operations you've had? Well, I have one every year. That's the way I look at it. Since uh, 2018, I've had one every year. God, they'd be better off they could put a zip in and just open you with a zip. Oh, I mean, there isn't <laughs> much of me left, Patricia. <laughs> well, listen, there might be much of you left, but I saw photographs of you on social media at the weekend and, girl, you were looking fantastic. Another First Holy Communion. That's what I was saying to my daughter-in-law. I said, there I was at the start waiting for the eldest First communion, didn't think I'd see it, and I'm on my third. It's brilliant, it really is. And I yeah. remember that, I, I, I clearly remember that because uh, you were diagnosed in September of uh, 2014. 14, and yeah. just r- r- remind us then I mean, it was a devastating prognosis, wasn't it, at the time? It was, and I think what made it more devastating was I wasn't aware of ovarian cancer. I had never heard of that cancer. So I wasn't aware of the symptoms. And I think if I had been aware of the symptoms, I might have been able to do something sooner. But I mean, yeah. there's there's a reason that they call it the silent killer. And you, so you won't be surprised to hear of a, a survey that's out today to recognise uh, World Ovarian Cancer Day saying a majority of Irish women uh, fear they would not notice the symptoms of mm. ovarian cancer due to the vagueness of the symptoms. That, that's the thing. I mean, we run the BEAT campaign, which stands for bloating, eating, abdomen and toilet. 
and they're the four main symptoms uh, well, that could suggest ovarian cancer. And women bloat every month. Yeah. But this is bloating that doesn't go away. Uh, after three weeks, that's when you should attend your doctor if it hasn't gone away. You're eating, it means you feel full after eating very little. You might have heartburn, indigestion or feel nauseous just after little bits. Your abdomen, of course, it is distended. You'll be very uncomfortable. Pain in your abdomen, maybe your lower back. And onto that, if you're post-menopause, you might have a bit of spotting. And the T in beat is for toilet. So you're going to have a, either a frequency of urination or the feeling you need to urinate or a change in bowel habits, either acute constipation or diarrhea. Now, if you go to a doctor with a bloated tummy and constipated, that's not going to mean ovarian cancer and that won't be investigated first. But and a lot, have, a lot of those symptoms, Anne, also sound like irritable bowel syndrome. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they, they, and you're not, if you go to your GP with, you know, I'm not able to eat, but I'm constipated, everything is going to hinge on the constipated aspect. You can't eat because you're constipated. You get indigestion because you're constipated. So... There's a protocol GPs have to follow now, which if you go in with some of those symptoms, they will do a blood test and send you for an ultrasound just to rule out something as serious as ovarian cancer. And how long do you reckon you had symptoms before you got the diagnosis? Well, I was told when I was diagnosed on the the 20th of September that I had it at least a year and a half before diagnosis. Oh, and and as with all cancers, the earlier you can catch it, the better? Exactly. I suggest to women that they keep a diary from the first time they notice anything different in their gynecological or bowel habits yeah. or eating disorders or bloating. Keep a diary for a few weeks and then attend your doctor with your diary and say, look, I have these symptoms. Could it suggest anything sinister? And are, are, are we, there's great breakthroughs and fantastic researchers who are, are working, you know, as we speak exactly. inside in the laboratories. They're continuing to make breakthroughs, aren't they? They are. I mean, what we found as well, it is so, what would you say, valuable to know the family history with cancer as I did. I mean, my paternal side, my father's side of the family, all his sisters and brothers had passed away from breast cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer, and my dad had prostate cancer and pancreatic cancer. And it was when I was diagnosed, we realized we had this genetic gene called the BRCA gene, which gives you a higher probability that you might develop breast or ovarian cancer in women, my risk was 80% ovarian. But it would have been great if you'd known that in advance. Exactly. So I think it's very important for people to know their their immediate family history so that they can go armed to their GP if they have some symptoms and they can say, look, my aunt or my grandmother or my grand-aunt or whatever 
head, breast or ovarian cancer and then they can take it from there. Yeah, and alarm bells might ring then for, exactly. for the GP. But, but ovarian cancer is the fourth most common cancer in women. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's incredible. It's it's incredible that more isn't known. That's why these days like today are great. And it's, you know, you're a fantastic advocate to get the message out. Even if one woman listening today identifies with what you're saying and, a, a you know, a light bulb moment to say, I need to do something about this. Exactly. And what worries me today, I mean, discussing some of these issues, there are women out there, unfortunately, listening to this today that cannot afford to go to their, their GP. They might have the symptoms and they cannot afford to go to their GP. With the cost that of living, yeah. That is a sad reflection in the 21st century that we could have women out there today with symptoms that can't afford to go to their GP. Wow, I hadn't even thought about that. And, and, and of course, you know, we're constantly talking about the cost of living. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a family on a very, that squeezed middle that we're always exactly. talking about, who are not entitled to a medical card, not entitled to a GP card, mm-hmm. but yet they've got this huge mortgage, exactly. they've all of the other bills coming in, 60, 70 euro to go to your GP, yes. a, woman, a woman will stop and think. They will. I mean, I'm... Uh, going to uh, write a letter to the Minister for Health and the uh, spokespeople in the opposition to try and, well, to highlight the issue that there are women out there that might have some sinister illness or even any kind of illness, but they, they can't afford to go to their GP. And it's a bad reflection on society today to have women listen to this programme knowing that they might have symptoms of ovarian cancer but are unable to attend their GP. Somebody wants to know, can ovarian cancer be diagnosed through an early blood test? No. no. I mean, it's not uh, 100% screening. It's the CA125 blood test. And the only way you will get that blood test done is if you have more symptoms. Now, when I was diagnosed, I was so progressed, of course, at the stage I was diagnosed. My CA125 was 2,000, when 35 to 40 is the normal range. But when my cancer came back last year in my chest and in my lung, my CA125 was 12. Ah, so yeah, so it, it, isn't, you know, it isn't as easy as saying just, just, just do a blood no. test. And, and I know, um, Anne, because, you know, I, I follow you on social media and I know... You've made friends with other ovarian cancer patients. Is it hard when you lose them? Very, very hard. Very, very difficult. There was, um, I was very, there was five of us women put on this um, trial drug five years ago. And there was two of us left on the drug. Um, The rest, um, what them, most of them, you know, it just didn't suit them. Their, their disease progressed. But there was another lady and, and me, and we'd become firm friends, talking on the phone every weekend, meeting at the clinic, uh, texting each other. And unfortunately, she passed away on December. So um, that was absolutely it's devastating. horrible. Yeah, horrible. It's devastating. It, it really is. And, and is it your love of life or your family? What motivates you to keep going? Because this isn't an easy journey. 
It it's not. It's not and no cancer journey is a an easy journey. And I think it's just stubbornness with me. Basically <laughs> stubbornness. And I'm not going to give in as you know I'm not going to give in if I can I mean it doesn't define me. Cancer doesn't define me. And I won't let it define me. So I think I'm just stubborn. And I think I don't want my husband to be drawn to widowers alone. I mean, why should he benefit from my stamps, etc.? <laughs> 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 ah, you're, you're a rogue. You, you, you really are. You're, and and to anyone facing a, a cancer diagnosis, whatever it, um, it, whatever type of cancer it is, like what 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 is your advice? Well, my advice. I mean, when you're told the 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 word itself is devastating. Never go in on your own. Always bring somebody with you so that they can hold your hand. Unfortunately, unlike England, where they have the Macmillan nurse waiting for you when you come out and take you into a private room, we don't have that facility here in every hospital. So have someone with you. And then you have to sit up and say, right, I'm going to face this and I'm going to fight it. You have two options, facing it and fighting it are just drooping down and go, you know, I'm finished. I've cancer. There's not, you know, there's no way out. Because I can see, I went to Breakthrough Cancer Research in Cork and I went to the UCC building. And I can tell you, I've seen the work they've done. I've seen the cancer cells grown in the Petri dishes and it be, they're been hit by different treatments to see which treatment might help which cancer. And those scientists are there from early morning to late night. And I mean, there are, just take the positivity, there are cures coming along. And that's, I mean, why, that's I, why we need yeah. to support. I mean, Breakthrough Cancer Research in Cork, they're phenomenal. Yeah. They are, they're oh, phenomenal. And that's yeah, why yeah. when if ever you see a fundraiser for any of those organisations, support, support, support. Exactly. I mean, only for the the likes of Breakthrough Cancer Research, I wouldn't be on this special medication now for BRCA-related cancers. And that's what has kept me going all these years, because I did have the BRCA gene. So this, uh, what would you say, it's deformed the BRCA gene, even though the BRCA gene is deformed already. This kind of, it's like a table and it takes away the three legs so that the cell collapses. So that's the drug I'm on. And I know it's coming back in bits and pieces the way it was originally. But I mean, once there's a good surgeon out there with a handy knife, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> and as long as they don't take away the heart and lungs, uh, I, don't, I, can, I have to have those. You have a great heart. You have a great heart. You're, you're just, you're fantastic. You're a tonic as, as always. And I can see people saying, delighted that you've got Anne Hurley on the programme today. Send her on all our best wishes. There's so much love out there for you. And uh, I really hope you feel it today. Listen, as always, look after yourself. We'll speak again. And thanks for joining us. You too, Patricia. God bless. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. The wonderful, wonderful Anne Hurley from 
Charleville just to recognise and acknowledge that today is World Ovarian Cancer Day. Let me take a look at some of the issues we have been uh, discussing. Uh, well, we have a lot of angry people about the fact that the Cork Tipperary match wasn't on TV. Well, it was on TV, but it was behind a paywall on GAA uh, Go. And then people are talking about having to buy their tickets. You've got to buy them online and that's not suiting everyone. Well, Charlie, and I'm assuming Charlie was at the match, uh, was he, on uh, Saturday? He was, yeah. The one thing that he noticed, and he's giving it out as a word of warning to people who are going to GAA matches, he couldn't get over the number of people who had who brought their mobile phones with them because obviously their tickets were on their mobile phone, even though people go everywhere with their mobile phones nowadays. But he said then sticking the mobile phone into their back pocket when they were going into the match or coming out of the match. Uh, Charlie says it just struck him. He could literally have lifted phones out of people's pockets no problem no security at all for the, the, the people with the phones they're not looking after their phones uh, he said it's no wonder so many phones are uh, stolen also says uh, Charlie just on a positive note Cork City was buzzing on Saturday evening with such a huge attendance so it was great to see so many people in and around uh, Cork City yeah and I heard that from uh, John Paul was out on, on Saturday as well he said it was yeah he said he couldn't get over he said it was like Piccadilly Circus it was so busy and of course Added to that was the the, the amount of people were there for the match. Thank you for that, uh, Charlie. Dan says, Patricia, on the cashless turnstiles and having to buy your tickets online in advance for a match. I was at the Kerry versus Clare match in Limerick yesterday and the centre shop across the road from the Gaelic grounds was selling tickets and they were very busy. Fair play to whoever made that available. The GAA should have a similar facility for all inter-county matches, says Dan. Well, it seems they do. Um, you can purchase GAA tickets. Now, it's at selected. It's not at all. So it's selected centre and super value uh, stores. So you need to check in advance. You can check it out on the GAA website, our Centra websites, the SuperValue websites. They'll let you know which stores are selling uh, tickets. Are the other advices, if you're going to a match, you know, you're going to be in a particular area, ring a local Centra or SuperValue store to see will they be selling tickets. If you are one of those people that can't access it online, you may be able to pop into the shop and buy your ticket that way on the day of the match. Hi, Patricia. What's up in all week? My dad last week was really, really upset. He was so worried that he wouldn't be able to watch the match. People like my dad and so many others of his generation, they reared families to play the game of hurling and football and now they're excluding from watching something that they are so, so passionate about. Yeah, I mean, and it is the older people. I mean, that's why we were quoting Age Action who are very much advocating on behalf of, they reckon 300,000 older people are not internet savvy, don't have the internet and they're the ones they're trying to advocate on on behalf of. Thank you for your text. And then some people listening to my chat with the wonderful Anne Hurley for World Ovarian Cancer Day and just the positivity of the woman is incredible and when you know when we first started talking to Anne she had this bucket list because you know she her prognosis was really bad in the early days she was given very little time uh, to live back in 2014 and she'll be celebrating the 10th anniversary of that diagnosis uh, next uh, year but one of the things was her little granddaughter at the time wanted to know Nana will you be at my first Holy Communion and 
and Anne was her big thing was at the time to try and stay alive to be at that First Holy Communion and there at the weekend her third grandchild made First Holy Communion and she was uh, she was at that and, and looking terrific and that sort of tweaked something with Eddie Eddie said he remembers his mother was very sick but was determined to make Eddie's son's Holy Communion so it would have been her grandson's Holy uh, Communion and Eddie said delighted to say she did she came along to the full day now she was so unwell on the day she wasn't able to eat very much but she was there uh, both at the church and coming to join in the family uh, celebration a lot of it is positivity of the mind uh, said Eddie and if people remember to stay positive it can make a huge different a difference people need to tap into their own willpower it makes a huge difference and listen and Hurley he is absolutely living proof of that and I know listen it doesn't work um, for everybody unfortunately with their diagnosis and she's very much saying the reason she's around is because research is going on and trials are being made uh, available but yeah a lot of it if you can stay as positive as positive as Anne is it really is uh, terrific and then when Anne you know the fact that it's World Ovarian Cancer Day and it's known as the silent killer even though it's the fourth uh, biggest killer of cancer in women it's, there's shocking statistics about it uh, but you know to know what the symptoms are and the symptoms are so vague that is the problem with it that has prompted a listener to say doctors let me say some doctors says this listener I often don't listen to patients sometimes they're so busy you go in they're on their computer they're not really listening they're only half hearing what the patient is saying you get prescribed drugs sometimes you don't even uh, get a examined and you're out the door after 10 minutes and guess what they charge you 60 euro for that it's a disgrace and it is particularly disgraceful that one young women are being fobbed off and being told it's IBS when it could be something like endometriosis or worse it could be something like Anne is talking about uh, ovarian cancer but that is the problem with ovarian cancer is the vagueness of the symptoms and the symptoms can be very similar to irritable bowel syndrome I mean even listening to Anne talking through all of the different symptoms you're straight away thinking this must be or this sounds like uh, IBS but that's why the message that Anne was very much getting across today and the message that is coming from the Irish Network of Gynecological Oncology to mark World Ovarian Cancer Day they are saying exactly what Anne is saying that if you have any of those symptoms particularly the bloatedness uh, you're constantly feeling full you're having problems going to the toilet you either you're switching between severe constipation or severe uh, diarrhoea and you're noticing this change in your bowel habits and if those symptoms last for three weeks or more then you really need to go into your GP and start talking about I'm getting a bit suspicious that this could be ovarian cancer so that they can then send you off for the necessary tests uh, that you need so you know and uh, absolutely I accept doctors are very busy but if you don't feel you're being listened to you're going to have to keep saying to the doctor you need to listen to me on this one and go through the symptoms as they are and the fact that you've been suffering particularly that bloated feeling uh, because you, Anne is right women us women, we all go through periods of bloatedness but it doesn't last for three weeks with no sign of it abating that should be a warning alarm bell 0818103103 couple of people have been um, I'm assuming everyone who is a customer of AIR for your phone or your broadband, you've been contacted in some way by AIR. They're putting up their prices. Now, a couple of people are annoyed. Uh, Dermot in Skibbereen has been on Anula in Bantry. Dermot says, I have a contract with AIR, which I only renewed at the start of this year and I've signed up now for the next two years. Dermot, happy with AIR, happy with the price, signed up for the next two years. Then lo and behold, he's after getting a letter in the post to say, sorry about this now, even though you signed a contract 
fact, there's an increase of 8% on your air uh, bill. Now, Dermot's point is I signed a contract. It's a two year contract. If I break the contract, then I'll be liable for a charge. But yet air can come back now while I'm still in contract and tell me, oh, by the way, we're putting we're, we're changing our minds on the contract and we're putting it up by 8% uh, R companies allowed to do that. Anula in Bantry, rather than a letter, she got an email from AIR saying the same thing, saying that her bill is going to go up. So she rang AIR and said, oh, you're like, what's happening here? I'm, I'm signed into a contract. I, I might decide to leave and go elsewhere, see if I can get a better bargain somewhere else. And they said, well, if you leave, you'll be breaking your contract and you'll, you'll be charged €250. Euro. But Nuna said, what's the point of a contract? They're going to charge me if I break the contract. But yet they're telling me they can break the contract and put everything up by 8%. Now, according to Nuna, the customer service rep that she was speaking to with AIR told her that this 8% was an increase in charge from the government. I mean, if that's the case, if it's from the government, then every single phone provider will be putting it on. Anyway, what we're doing in the meantime is we're contacting AIR to see if uh, we can find out what is happening because we have in the past seen utility companies put up their prices, but they always give people the option if they put up the price the price is normally put up for new customers, but if they put up the price and you're in contract, you're normally given the option you can leave without there being a, a charge. But I don't think I've ever heard of somebody, you sign a contract and then they change their minds and say actually it's going to charge you more. So let's see if we can get to the bottom of it. But I'm just giving it out because as I say, it was just two air customers uh, contacted us today and John Paul was speaking to somebody over the weekend and actually saw the letter that had come out from air. So we're, we're, we're endeavouring to find out from air exactly what is uh, going on. Uh, Tommy in Bishopstown says, I'm the same air and the rep told me it's a government increase and he compared it to the electricity but I told him the government gave to all every household with electricity gave people two euro off and yet you are charging me more and I can't get out of my contract. OK, we, we have to get to the bottom of this if it's if it is because if it is some kind of a government increase, which I can't even think of what the government increase could be, that means it'll be across all of the uh, providers. 0818 103 103. We spoke about Charleville earlier on and, you know, seven people killed on the main street in Charleville and I still can't get over that, that figure. 11% of all of the deaths on the N20 have happened in Charleville. That's just a shock. Shocking, shocking statistic. Tom in Donorail reckons part of the problem are the zebra crossings that are on the main street in uh, Charleville. They are flashing amber all of the time. He reckons they need to change those zebra crossing and instead put in proper traffic lights where that you'd see at, you know, a normal crossing whereby if you want to cross the road, you press the button. The, light, the traffic will stop. The lights will go red for the traffic. It'll go green for the pedestrians. Uh, and he said, maybe do it for a minute. Let the people cross the road and then let the traffic move on uh, again. He reckons that needs to be uh, looked at. Having pedestrian crossings, he feels, is causing part of the problem. 0818 103 103. And there's one more just um, kind of, I, I, I'm assuming it came in because of our chat with Charleville and how dangerous that main street in Charleville is. Somebody else is worried about people being killed but this is to do with boy racers and obviously this person has been on to us before because he says I hope I'm not annoying you but can you please highlight boy racers in the town of McCroom. They were driving from 6.30am this morning and I, boy, I would always have associated boy racers with the evening time. 
But anyway, this listener says 6.30 this morning. It's going on and was going on nearly all day yesterday and nearly every day. They congregate at uh, a petrol station uh, and then drive at top speed through the town and they do a loop in again from the new bypass. Nobody seems to be stopping this kind of activity. I can't understand why. Where are the guards? Somebody will be killed. Anybody else noticed? Is that is it an increase since the bypass has come in? Down through, the, it seems to be down through the main town or the main, it seems to be down from the petrol station and then they drive at top speed through the town and then a loop and back again from the new by, uh, bypass. Anybody know what's going on with boy racers in McCroom? Is it getting worse or is it something that's always been there? 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your calls. C103 Jobs. Bantry Bay Hotel, they've got a vacancy for a night porter. It's to work evenings. You can email the Bantry Bay 23 at outlook.com. Dairy Gold have vacancies for retail store manager and a retail sales assistant. It's in their Fairmount and Mogili co-op superstores. Please apply online by emailing www.dairygold forward slash or I, dairygold.ie forward slash careers. General operatives are wanted for power washing and painting in the Newmarket area. You need to be over 25. You need to have a full clean driver's licence as a company vehicle will be provided. The number to call is 029 22765 and Jur is your contact. And Easy Living Interiors. They are looking to recruit a full-time HGV delivery driver. Applicants must hold a valid C licence, CPC and TACO. Call 021 34 You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Housing Minister Dara O'Brien recently announced plans to allow Fair Deal residents to keep 100% of rental income in a bid at the time to secure the votes of some independent TDs. It was during the Dáil vote on the lifting of the eviction ban. Now, an expert on Fair Deal is warning families, though, about the risk of renting out the family home. And Tom Murray is with FairDealAdvice.ie and he joins me to explain further. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for taking our call. Now, on paper, this sounds like a great way for an older person who's in a nursing home to make a bit of extra money. But your fears are when that older person passes away. Outline what are your concerns? Well, look, we always welcome changes to the fair deal that make it easier for families and residents to pay for their care. However, um, this announcement really... You know, I am concerned about it because renting generally is not a good solution for families that are in the fair deal. My biggest concern, really, there's a couple of areas. The first one is the family, first of all, have to register the property with the Rental Tenancy Board. Um, somebody has to become the landlord. As part of the RTB requirements, a house has to meet minimum standards and Many older people's houses do require some investment because as they get older, they don't have the money to keep the houses up to date, etc. 
So in order to meet an RTV minimum standard, you may have to invest 10 or 20,000 into the house to meet the, the required rental standard. In addition to that, then you the last June or whatever, the, the government announced increased rights for tenants, increased rights of notice. So now when you sign up a tenant for a house, it's a minimum 12 month contract that you have to enter into. But in addition to that, if somebody's in your house for 12 months, you have to give them 180 days notice. And that's likely to increase as, you know, the government seems to be moving to more a kind of a, a socialist type kind of French, you know, European model on renting where tenants are going to become, you know, a longer renting is going to be a longer term proposition. And the biggest issue really with with people going into the fair deal is most of my clients have been cared for by their families or have lived at home up to a point where they can no longer live at home and their care needs are high and sadly their their life expectation in the nursing home is around two to two and a half years and if they actually rent out their house and they sign up to a contract which is 12 months with notice etc often what may happen is that person may die and the family may have taken out the nursing home loan, for example, and that's repayable within 12 months of the person's passing. But because you've got a tenant in the house, you can't actually sell the house in order to repay the loan. And as a consequence, the family then are going to incur punitive interest from revenue who collect the loan on behalf of the HSE. In addition, you know, uh, if you have problems moving the tenant on, the winding up of the estate, the distribution of the estate is all delayed, you know. Um, you know, if you're waiting 12 months, for instance, to get somebody out of a house, you can't even advertise the house in that 12 months. Uh, you can't sell the house. So you, you'll cause considerable delay. So rental really, in my opinion, is for a longer term kind of uh, outlook and, you know, to make sure you get a return on your investment in the property, etc. And sadly, you know, most people who are going to nursing homes, they won't benefit from that long term benefit from renting the property. Yeah. And of and course, it was only last November, I think it was uh, fair, the fair deals rules rules changed, allowing residents to keep 60 percent of the rent. And at the time, it was to try to encourage people, these empty properties, housing crisis, trying to encourage people to rent out uh, these houses. But only 24 people uh, rented out their properties. Do, do you think that That's was because right. of the concerns you are now raising? Well, yes, it is. You know, it's, um, you know, who wants to be a landlord in today's world? You know, it's, it's, a, it's everybody has to think very hard about that, you know. And, um, you know, certainly families are thinking all of these things. And, and like when we meet clients and they say, look, I'm thinking of renting out the house. I make these points to them and they say, you know, gosh, yeah, we hadn't thought of that. And, you know, we didn't realize that. And, you know, the bureaucracy and the hassle and who's going to be the who's going to become the landlord because mom's in hospital or dad's in hospital. Which one of us is going to become the landlord? Who wants to call it? And in the morning? somebody's pointing out if an eviction ban was reintroduced, a family could find themselves in real trouble. In real trouble. I mean, look, you know, the biggest issue is if you take out the fam- the nursing home loan and when you pass, that's repayable within 12 months. If an eviction ban comes in and you get a tenant who stalls, who's going to pay your interest, the punitive interest that revenue you're going to put on your nursing home loan? You're stuck there with a house. You can't pay off the loan. You can't sell the house because you've got a tenant that you cannot move on. And, you know, you're creating an awful lot of stress, an awful lot of hassle, you know, in an already distressing time for, for people. 
you know. So I generally find renting doesn't work. Um, there are better solutions there. Um, the government, you know, the previous year announced that um, you could sell the house, um, you know, and the proceeds would only be charged for the same length of time as the house, the three years. You know, mm. that is a great incentive. You know, um, it frees up families of having responsibility to maintain and, and keep a house going. Because um, do we know, are, are there many houses lying empty because granny or granddad is inside in a nursing home? There are, there are potentially, um, I suppose, across the country. I don't know what the figure is now, but initially before the the change to allow you to sell, I think they estimated that it might have been around 10,000. Oh, OK. There's probably, there's probably probably maybe 5,000. Mm. But, you know, a, a lot of those houses aren't empty for that long, you know. Um, like, you know, sometimes family members move into the houses and occupy them um, in the meantime. Yeah, because, um, it, because under fair deal, a family member can move in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like what we recommend is, you know, you can get a family member or you could get a person that's, you know, that you may know to live in the house as a caretaker and they can go in and they can live in the house and they can pay the electricity bill and they can, you know, pay the running costs off the house and maintain it without having any impact on the fair deal. And in some ways, you know, that kind of arrangement, then the people don't have 12 months notice. Yeah, yeah. And the house, the house is maintained and occupied and, you know, it might allow, you know, a niece or a nephew or a son or a daughter to save up, you know, some money for their mortgage, you know, by giving them some cheap accommodation. But because they're paying, you know, some money towards the, the upkeep of the house, um, you know, there's no implications for them or the resident. Yeah. And it's, so, good, and it's good to have somebody living in a house rather than leaving yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, uh, because sometimes, it. sometimes you have situations where, you know, there's a loss of capacity and there isn't say, an enduring power of attorney in place and you can't sell a house and you may have to hold on to a house until somebody passes, you know. So, like, I think with this change in legislation, while any change is welcome, you know, unless somebody was very young, um, you know, and had a long life expectancy when they were going into care, you know, um, which could be, say, somebody like a stroke victim or something like that, you know, I don't think it's a it's it's a great option, particularly given yeah. the short term. But for the ma- yeah, for the ma- yeah, for the majority of cases, somebody goes into a nursing home, they're not in there for very for very many years. I mean, that's the that's the reality of nursing home care. Sadly, Most sadly, families sadly. will try and look after their mum, their dad, their granny, whatever, for as long for as long as they can. And the fair deal scheme, Tom, is is it is it a complicated procedure to apply for it? Um, look, it's. Everybody's situation is unique, um, but it's a very fair scheme. It does work. It does fund 97% of people in nursing home care now. Um, You know, uh, single people pay 80% of their income and they pay, um, they they pay, uh, sorry, 7.5% then of their assets and they're allowed the first 36,000 free exempt. And then married people pay 40% of their income. 3.75% 3.75% of their assets, they're allowed the first 72,000 free. But, you know, um, every, you know, it depends on your circumstances, how difficult or how easy it is to complete the application. Like we help people with it on a, on a daily basis. Um, a lot of our clients have different circumstances, you know, that, that they want, they need, they need to consider, you know, the fair deal of, you know, whoever is going into care, you will be, potentially paying four or five hundred to seven hundred eight hundred euros a week 
So it's always good to get advice on it. You know, but it doesn't the, cover everything, sure, because we would often hear from listeners saying, you know, a loved one has gone in uh, under fair deal and thinking of the belief everything is covered. But then suddenly they're getting a phone call to say, you know, your mother needs her hair cut or there's a chiropodist needs no, to go. No, it doesn't cover everything. It covers, you know, it covers your care, it covers your bed and board, your laundry, you know, and any care kind of equipment that you need. Um, what it doesn't cover is like hairdressing, chiropathy, physiotherapy. Um, it also doesn't cover entertainment and activities. So most nursing homes have to charge an extra cost uh, for that. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, um, and, and that's what a lot of families do kind of kind of say, oh, what's that for? But, you know, unfortunately, the, the Fair Deal Act doesn't cover um, activities and entertainment, but their requirement for nursing homes to provide by HICWA, and rightly so, because mm. you can't have people in nursing homes who aren't being stimulated. So the nursing homes have to charge, you know, an extra fee every week to cover the cost of that activity coordinator and the various activities that they do provide. Mm. So, you know, but generally speaking, look, very few people have large extras on top of their normal nursing home bill. Yeah, but you just know, to they, be aware of it, I think, yeah. A lot yes, of it is elected, uh, a lot of it is elected stuff. Yeah, it's just to be aware of it. And If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. 
and and you and it'll vary. It'll be different from nursing home to nursing home. Okay, all right. But exactly. your you, but your message, uh, Tom, is is very much to people. You really need to stop and think if you are going to go down that route of renting out the family home and seeing it as Absolutely. a way of making money. All right, Tom, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, Thank thanks for joining you. us. Good morning to you. That is Tom uh, Murray and uh, Tom runs fairdealadvice.ie. And Anna Donovan is the development manager with the South Munster Citizens Information Service, which covers West Cork and based out of Bantry. And she joins us for our monthly chat with Citizens Information. And this uh, month's topic is support for carers. Good morning to you, Anna. Um, Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. How are things going in the Citizens Information Service? Oh, thankfully they're going very well. I suppose the service uh, continues to be very busy and we're, we continue to work hard to respond to the needs of the community. So uh, our services, you know, are, we're uh, you know, opening up more and more. We're Obviously, we're always contactable by phone, but we're also there for drop-ins and appointments. Um, good news is that our McCroom office, uh, will be reopened for people to drop in for starting one day per week on Tuesdays from Tuesday twenty third of May. So we're delighted at that. So over time, those opening hours will be extended. But it's great we kind Brilliant. of again opening up more and more, which we're delighted. So so Tuesday twenty third of May, we'll be starting the in McCroom. Okay, because most questions can be dealt with and answered over the phone, but sometimes people like to physically eyeball somebody and sit across yeah. a desk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or if people want to bring in paperwork yeah. sometimes yeah, and like stuff like that. So, look, there's some things that can't need face-to-face, but there's a lot of stuff that can be dealt over the phone yeah. too, so it's, it's nice to have the hybrid. Okay, so today we are focusing on support for carers. Now, what information and support are available for carers from yourselves at Citizens Information? Yeah, I suppose one of the things we do always say, Patricia, is that uh, sometimes people providing care for family members are so busy with their own caring responsibilities that they don't always have time to look after what supports are available for them. Um, so it's important that they know that, you know, that carers, are, there are support there and there may be entitled to a number of supports in the Department of Social Protection. I suppose the main social welfare payments for carers providing full-time care are carers' allowance and carers' benefit. Now, uh, someone may also qualify for the annual care support grant, which is paid out each year. And another consideration that we would look at with people would be around taking carers' leave from work to care for a loved one. And in citizen information, we also look at any secondary benefits for which the person who's caring may qualify. So it's a combination of things there. Okay. now you mentioned two payments there, carers' benefit and carers' allowance. Can you explain the difference between the two? Okay. Yeah. So carers' benefit is uh, it's a shorter term payment. It's usually paid up to two years to someone who gives up employment to care on a full time basis for someone who requires full time care and attention. Now, I, the thing about carers' benefit is it's PRSI based, and you have to have a certain number of PRSI contributions paid to qualify. And I suppose another thing about carers' benefit is that if someone is self employed and paying the self employed Class S PRSI, they won't qualify for carers' benefit. On the other hand, then, carers' allowance is a payment for people who are caring on a full-time basis, again, for someone who requires that full-time care and attention. And the person who's been cared for will need to be requiring that care for at least 12 months. Now, the key thing about carers' allowance is that it's means-tested and also that somebody has to qualify uh, what's called a habitual residence condition. That's where they prove that Ireland is their main centre of interest. Now, regardless of which payment you're going for, um, you must complete a detailed application form and send it into the department. And I suppose we would always stress that it's really important that the person puts in as much detailed information in relation to the level of care they're providing 
to support their application because that's what the decision will be based on. What does full-time care mean? Okay, I suppose when I'm talking about full-time care here now, it's really around how the department look at it. So in in this context, uh, a person is seen as needing full-time care when they need continual supervision to avoid dangers themselves or they need continual supervision and frequent assistance throughout the day with normal bodily functions. For example, help to walk, to get about if someone needs help eating or drinking, preparing meals, you know, getting washed, you know, getting dressed, getting them up in the morning. So it's all that kind of level of care. Now, the Department of Social Protection makes a final decision if the person needs full-time care. Now, but that decision is based on the information that the carer provides in the application form. So as part of the application form as well, the person who's being cared for must must sign it and give permission for their doctor to complete and stamp there's a medical report as part of the form. And, and that's both for carer's benefit and carer's allowance. Now, if the if the person being cared for is a child, that med uh, and the child and the family is getting domiciliary care allowance, you don't need that medical report. Um, the other thing as well then is if, if obviously some if someone has to go into hospital, you you won't get the care payments if the person is living in a hospital or institution. However, you can continue to be seen as providing full time care and attention if the person being cared for is having medical or other treatment in a hospital for no longer than 13 weeks. So you know, there's a, bit, a few elements to it there. Really. Yeah, and often if, if that's a child or somebody with um, very uh, complex or special needs, the, the, the carer could be ending up in the hospital almost living with the person inside in the, in the yes. hospital dur- during that period. During okay. that period. Actually, okay, yeah. do you have to be caring for a set number of hours to qualify for carer's payment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is that was a question that was coming up for years, but the department have given clear guidelines on that now. And the time spent providing care must not be less than 35 hours per week over five to seven days. So it, 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 a minimum of 35 hours per week. And if someone is away, that you must be able to arrange full-time care for the person you care for. And I suppose that's why we say it's so important that someone really takes time when they're filling out the application form because sometimes people don't ever actually realise the amount of time they're spending. So it's really good to take time just to document that. Okay, you said that the carer's benefit is for people who leave work to uh, provide care. Does that mean the person has to resign from their job? No, no, the person doesn't have to give up their job if they're applying for for carer's benefit. Um, If you're leaving work or reducing your hours in order to care for a person in need of full-time care, uh, you can apply for carer's leave from your employment. Now, carer's leave allows employees to leave work temporarily to provide full-time care and attention for someone who needs it. And you can take carer's leave for a, a minimum of 13 weeks and up to a maximum of 104 weeks, which is, is two years. Now, I suppose, again, a few considerations uh, or, or points to consider is that, obviously, carer's leave from employment, it's unpaid, but your job is kept open for you when you return. So, you know, your job That's is important. still there. Absolutely, because you know, because you don't know how long you're going to be out mm. of work, and you know. And the other thing then is to get carers leave. You have to have worked for your employer for twelve months without a break in employment. So you can't just start a new job and apply for carers leave. You know, six months in, uh, you have to be there for a minimum of twelve months. And the and also obviously employers are entitled to at least six weeks' notice from the employee. You know, of the intention to take care of leave. 
Um, and the other consideration is again, and we talked about the full time care and attention earlier. And you you have to show that the person requires the full time care and attention. And again, it's a deciding officer from the Department of Social Protection who will decide whether the, you know whether they need that care and attention. So again, as much information as possible to go in. Can you do any paid work while you're on carers benefit or carers allowance? Yeah, you you can be employed, uh, self employed, or in training or in education outside the home for up to a maximum of 18 and a half hours per week. And that's 18 and a half hours per week. It's not an average of 18 and a half hours. You know, the most mm. any week could be 18 and a half hours. Um, and then if you're on carers benefit, the maximum amount you can earn is 350 euros per week. That's uh, your net after tax, PRSI and all that are deducted. And in re- in care, if you're in receipt of carers allowance, you can have the first 350 euros of your total weekly income is not taken into account in the means test and it's uh, 750 of your combined weekly income if you're a, a married or in a civil partnership or cohabiting. Okay, and I know the big bone of contention certainly <coughs> from Family Carers Ireland is the fact that the carers allowance is means tested. So can you explain mm-hmm. the means test to us, please? Yeah, okay. So it's like it's like with all pay, with, with, with carers allowance, you, you have to be providing the full-time care and attention and you have to be habitually a resident in the state and then there's the means test. Okay. And I suppose in certain circumstances, again, you might be eligible for halfway carers, which you can look at in a moment. But going back to the means test, the main source of income included in the means test, they look at all cash income and capital income. So any savings, investments, shares or any property you have are all looked at, but not your own home. So it doesn't matter what the value your own home could be worth, 100,000 or a million, it's doesn't come into it if you're, you know, once you're living in it. Um, the other thing is uh, the first fifty thousand of your uh, fifty thousand euros of your capital is not taken into account, so that that'll be ignored. And any payment from the Department of Social Protection is not included in the means test. So if there's any social welfare payments coming to the house, they don't count. Other things is you can get up to fourteen thousand per year for renting out a room in your own home without affecting your payment. So there's, I suppose there's lots of elements to that means test and I suppose that's where citizens information staff can help you work out how the means test would apply in your individual situation because there's, you know, there's lots of little bits of dis- disregard and that's taken into account and it can be confusing for people. So again, I would suggest if someone is concerned about the means test, they come in and we'll sit down and do the figures with them. Okay, how much is the payment worth per week? The maximum, the carer's benefit is €237 Euro per week if you're caring for one person and 355 50 if you're caring for two people. And then carer's allowance is just one euro less. It's 236 euro if you're caring for one person and 354 if you're caring for, for two people. So again, so to claim either payment, you just you complete the application form. And again, I can't stress enough, it's important you put in as much detailed information yeah, get, yeah, into that as possible. Because, you know, sometimes people just don't think, they think, sure, they know I'm doing this because but they don't. Unless you document it, it won't be taken into account. What's the qualifying condition then for the halfway carers that you mentioned? So if you're in, 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 in one of the following situations, you can qualify for the, for the halfway carers allowance. Say if you're already getting carers allowance, but you also meet the qualifying criteria for another social welfare payment. So if, say, for argument's sake, you, you are, oh, you're over 66 and you qualify for your state pension, you can claim your state pension and get half a carers with it. Or if you were um, on a 
disability payment or invalidity pension and you're caring for somebody, you can get halfway care. So there's this, a number of payments that you can have. You can get, you, you have, you, if you have an entitlement to two social welfare payments, and you get one and a half. Get yeah. one and a half. Yeah. Now, yeah. and also if you're if you are if you're caring for someone and you're being claimed for by a spouse or a partner as a dependent already, so you can continue being the dependent on your spouse or partner's payment and get the half rate cares. Or um, so th- so there's a, f- a few situations yeah. there. Now, the one important thing is you can't get half rate cares if you're in receipt of a job seekers payment because that's to be available by, for work. You're available for work. Yeah, yeah. But again, if anybody has any doubt, and I want to clarify that. Just talk to us, and we'll we'll clearly we'll ex- we'll put direct you whether or not you would have be entitled to. Okay, payment. the carer support grant. A lot of people call that the respite grant. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that grant is paid for carers once a year by the department. And you're right, it used to be called the Respite Care Grant up to a few years ago. Now that care support grant is is worth one thousand eight hundred and fifty euros uh, each year. It's paid uh, usually on the first Thursday in June for each person you're caring for, and it's supposed a few it, like it's a really important payment. It's not taxable. Um, now you can't be working outside the home for more than than eighteen and a half hours or signing for job seekers credits. But you can apply for this payment even if you're not receiving carers allowance or carers benefit. So I suppose if you're in receipt of carers allowance or carers benefit already, you automatically get the carers support grant. But there are some people who won't have enough PRSI for carers benefit, maybe don't meet the means test for a carers allowance, but are still providing full-time care and attention. And those people can apply for the carers support grant because it's not means tested, but they just need to, to fill in the form. Okay. Now, a really important thing about the care support grant is, again, you can apply each year from April of that year until the 31st of December for the following year. So, for example, you can apply for this care support grant for 2022 at any time from April of last year up until the 31st of December this year. No? And so I'm supposed to see if any of your listeners are there and thinking, gosh, maybe I should have applied for that last year. They still have time up until the 31st okay. of December this and we're, year. We're, we're up against it on, on the, the clock. One other important one. Do you have to be living with the person you're caring for? No, um, you don't have to be living with them. So, um, but there must be a direct system of communication must exist between the carer's residence and that of the person who they're caring for. So it can be a telephone or alarm type system. Okay, so it's not necessarily, but you must now. Obviously, if you're not living with them, it may require further investigation by a social welfare inspector. You know, before they yeah, make a decision. Yeah, to make sure but, that but you, you are. Can show, but, but you can still get it even if you're not living with somebody. Okay, and then additional supports that are available. Yeah, so if you're getting carers allowance, you may also get the household benefits package if you're living with the person you're caring for, and you would also be eligible for free travel. Um, if you're getting carers benefit or carers allowance at the full or half rate, you're also eligible for a GP visit card. And I suppose the important thing, if the person you're caring for passes away, if you're on carers benefit, it'll continue for six weeks following the death, while if it's carers allowance, it continues for 12 weeks. Okay, now there was a huge amount, as there always is, in our monthly uh, slot. And each case is going to be individual, isn't it? So the best thing is is to make contact. Yeah, I would really encourage people, look, if you have any queries about this, just give us give us a ring. Um, You can contact the the West Cork office on 0818 07 8390 
or the Mallow office on 0818078000. Or you can go on to our website, citizensinformation.ie, uh, or drop into the centre near you because, look, there's a lot of information there. Everyone's situation is slightly different and we're more than happy to go through it with you and look and see and check what you're eligible for. But there does seem to be a lot of detail is required in that form that you spoke about when people are replying. It's quite a detailed Absolutely. form. It is. And, you know, it, we always say it's really worthwhile putting in the time at the application, because if you put all, you know, rather than I mean, we off, we will. If you have been turned down for carers benefit or carers allowance and you feel it's unfair, come into us because we will we support people to do, appeal, well you know, to appeal those decisions. Well done. You're a great bunch, as always. And thanks a million for joining us. And we'll talk again. Love. Thanks, thanks for that. Bye bye. Anna Donovan there and is the development manager with the South. Monster Citizens Information Service out of uh, West Cork. Thank you to Teresa. There was a number of other people, but Teresa's uh, saying hi, Patricia. Um, Anne Hurley, who you had on earlier on in the programme, is an inspiration to everyone and she gives people great hope. Yeah, I mean, that's why at the end of my chat with her, I said to anyone recently diagnosed who's facing that uh, diagnosis, it can just be so frightening at the start and she does give uh, great hope. So thank you. A lot of people wanting to send on very best wishes uh, to uh, Anne. There is, uh, there's a lot of love out there for Anne for sure. Okay, still getting in calls and uh, texts about air. Hi Patricia, my air bill has increased by six euro a month. I got no notification from them. I just saw it when my bill came in. I'm one year into a two year contract. I haven't amended my direct debit yet. And Noreen said, I joined air in November. And also, like a lot of other listeners are saying, I signed up for a two year contract for fibre broadband. The offer was 33.99 a month. And this month they took 46 euro for my direct uh, debit instead of it saying staying at 39.99 for 24 months they never informed me about it now a lot of other people are saying that they did get uh, a letter saying that it was going to go up and now we're hearing from people uh, saying that it just suddenly went up and that they never got maybe if you check it might have been an email that that they sent out hi patricia i'm the same as what a lot of other listeners are saying to you when i spoke to somebody at air they said that the government are increasing uh, are increasing it. Catherine in McCroom I know that's on a different one. So so we are getting onto AIR to find out what it is but in the meantime I've gone on to AIR's, their own website and they have a piece about annual price increase and it says in order to ensure continued investment in our gigabit fibre broadband and 5G mobile networks and to combat significant inflation charges across our operations the monthly price of your AIR services will increase in April of every year and it's starting from this year April of 2023 so that's why people are starting to notice it on their bill the planned charge is based on the annual consumer price uh, index plus an additional 3% even though they've capped it this year at uh, 8% so they're basically saying to everyone if you go on to air.ie in April of every year regardless of what contract you've signed up for there is going to be uh, an increase and it is it isn't a government levy that some people are picking up on but it is to do with investment in the gigabyte fibre broadband and 5G but what seems to be a bit unfair and what we're trying to find out from air if uh, a listener isn't 
if a customer isn't happy with it having signed the contract can they opt out and go somewhere else instead because normally that's what happens when there is almost a breach of contract 0818 103 103 couple of other ones in Heidi's on morning Patricia prices and the price of everything going up and the cost of living and all of that I'd like to mention one particular item that seems to be gone through the roof Whiskers Cat Biscuits I used to buy them they were about €6 a packet they've now gone to €12 or more for the very same amount how can that be justified it's well over doubled most will say cost of living and fuel Uh, fuel is down so why are we still paying high prices it is outrageous somebody is making money uh, here society I know and I know the government are bringing in all of the supermarkets uh, this week trying to get everybody around the table there's a summit on uh, supermarket prices it's it's a and and this is all tied in with the new agri food regulator uh, there's been calls for a new independent food agency to have the power to determine the cost of production of basic food items now I know some will say whiskers cat biscuits are not basic food items but everything has gone up across the board now supermarkets have been summoned to a meeting by the junior minister for retail that's uh, Neil Richmond on Wednesday of this week Neil Richmond said the government had the power to introduce price caps on products but added it didn't want to do that at this stage but they say inflation this time last year was running at about 10%. It is down to 5% now but we're not seeing prices coming down when you go in to buy anything inside in the supermarkets. Now Sinn Féin are upping the ante with the with they've got a doll motion this week on the cost of a bag of groceries with food inflation more than double the headline figure. Remember food inflation is running at nearly 17%. So Louisa Riley of Sinn Féin are accusing the government of being out of touch, particularly out of touch with families who are struggling with the escalating cost of living. She's saying the burden that the escalating cost of living is placing on workers and families is completely unsustainable. Consumers are paying more for food. But where's the money going? Farmers are finding it increasingly hard to deal with the rising cost of production. And she's saying we need an independent agency with the power to determine the cost of production of basic food items. Otherwise, we'll have division. But instead of heading this off, she says the government is creating what she describes as a toothless agri-food regulator. Uh, The Dáil is also going to vote this week on legislation relating to this agri-food regulator and the aim is to identify and levy fines on operators who are engaging in unfair trading practice. But what we need to find out is, you know, where is the profit going? I know the Social Democrats leader, Holly Kearns, said that we need more transparency when it comes to the pricing from the retail sector. She said, if you zoom out and look at the situation we have at the moment, the taxpayer subsidises the cost of food because obviously all farmers must get a subsidy because they wouldn't be able to produce food otherwise. They get that from the Department of Agriculture. But when you subsidise it at that level, the supermarkets obviously buy it at a reduced cost thanks to the taxpayer. Then we don't know what happens in between there 
and when you go to the till uh, to pay for it. I mean, and therein lies the problem. Where, who in the chain is making the biggest uh, profit? And it gets hard to justify. I can, you know, I can accept that cost of production has gone up for the whiskers, cat food and you know, electricity and all of that. But for something to double in price really is just uh, incredible. Uh, 0818103103. We'll keep a close eye on this summit of all of the supermarkets being called in and, and see what comes out of that. We will watch that with great interest. Chair in Boherbui says, Hi Trish, would you send a big thank you please to Christina in the NDLS office in Mallow. Uh, without going into it, she sorted me out big time last uh, Thursday and she did it at a moment's notice. Efficient and so pleasant. Very, very much appreciated. A brilliant uh, service. How often do we hear that from the NDLS uh, services? The people that work there, these are the when people go in to get their driving uh, licence. The people that work there were constantly hearing from people uh, saying that they just seem to go above and beyond. So take a bow, everybody in the NDLS service. Catherine McCroom was on once to agree with the texter who was on about boy racers in the town of McCroom. I agree with that listener, says Catherine in McCroom. Boy races are at it at all hours of the day. Noisy exhausts on the bypass but now we're having it on the town of McCroom because so much of the traffic has been taken away because of the bypass we now have the boy racers taking over uh, instead they're flying through the town maybe ramps are an option could that be something that could be looked at uh, because safety surely must be the priority 0818 103 103 Catherine in Formoy also picking up on the price of cat food she said the cat food if you want the good brands you can pay 12 euro for a packet of 12 sachets and they can be tiny sachets those sachets of food these are the individual little pouches of food I think that Joan is talking about at one stage before everything started to go up they were €5.50. They've now gone to €12. So somebody somewhere along the chain is gaining from the increase in price. It's tough to get the own brand uh, cat food. And then, yeah, if you have a fussy cat who will turn their nose up at an own brand product, you're in an even bigger Pickle. 0818103103. John Paul is taking your calls. I can see some questions coming in for Annalise, so you can keep those uh, coming. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Clonakilty Flower Club's annual charity demonstration by Paula Dowling is taking place in the GAA Pavilion in Ahamilla in Clonakilty. It's on tonight at 8. The local charity is Cancer Connect and the national charity is As I Am. That's Ireland's national. Autism Charity. Plan sales from 7 o'clock this evening, then a drinks reception before the demonstration and then there will be a raffle and refreshments to follow. Admission is €20. Donnerell Active Retirement Group, they are meeting 3 o'clock this afternoon. They're hoping to see everybody there. New members, always welcome. And bingo continues in Butterfront GAA Hall tonight at 8. The jackpot, €4,300. In-house lotto, mini jackpot and 50-50 all to play for 
all are welcome. And Ballinhasty Community Development Association, they're having a clothing collection in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic. Now, it's from tomorrow, Tuesday, the 9th of May to May the 27th. It'll be on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7pm to 8.30pm, and then Saturdays, half two to four. They can take re-wearable clothes, shoes, bags, beddings, towels and curtains. No duvets or pillows, please. And it is a fundraiser for the Marion Hall. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Some WhatsApps and texts and calls uh, coming in. Hi, Patricia. I was listening to Anne Hurley speaking earlier on World Ovarian uh, Cancer Day. I've been suffering with constipation for a few months now, on and off. I had a blood test and camera tests. They mentioned a biopsy test, which was all clear and said it was just a bit of IBS. But after listening to Anne, I'm wondering, should they have done uh, other uh, tests? Well, no. I mean, the one thing that Anne's, I mean, listen, go back if uh, go back and mention it. But the one thing that Anne said, you know, suffering from constipation or suffering from diarrhoea doesn't necessarily mean that you have ovarian cancer. There's, you know, there are other symptoms like the constant bloating, the constant, even when you eat small amounts, uh, you're constantly feeling full and the bloating never goes uh, away. It can be confused with IBS and that's not to say um, that people with IBS all have ovarian cancer or vice versa. But listen, I always say if you have a nagging suspicion in your head, go back. Just just, just go back to your doctor and talk to them uh, again. Say you heard an interview. Say, you know, you heard about ovarian cancer on World Ovarian Day and you know, is it worth checking it out? Better safe than sorry. 0818 um, Avril from the Munster Lost and Found Pet Helpline listening to us talking about the prices of cat food and the whiskers cat pouches. Fully agree with the listeners that were contacting you about the price of cat food. It's putting huge pressure on the rescues with their escalating prices. God, I didn't think about that. If you've got your own pet, uh, you'll be worried about the, you know, every week when you're going to buy the cat food or the dog food for them. Could you imagine if you're a pet rescue? And someone else says you can get um, in Aldi, uh, is it an own brand? It's the same as Whiskers. Uh, my cat, my cheeky cat says it is okay and it is a box of 48 pouches. Oh, that's even more. And it's for senior cat and this listener says her cat is getting on fine with that. Yeah, and it does work. You can sw- switch brands, you can get a cheaper brand, but it doesn't work for uh, everyone. And just on the prices, somebody was on about being, can't find, you know, there's so many texts coming in, but somebody was on about they were out at the weekend in a local uh, hotel. There was some event on and they noticed that the prices had gone up. All of the drinks prices had gone up by 20 cent. Absolute disgusted. Is that allowed? Yeah. Unfortunately, businesses are allowed to set whatever price, well, they can set whatever price they feel they can get, but also businesses need to set prices because all of their overheads has gone up as well. It's all tied into uh, the cost of living at the moment. Now, I don't know, how, d- did they just put it up because the event was on and did the prices then come back down uh, the next day? Is that making hay while the sun shines, which seems a bit unfair, but maybe they had additional costs because that event was on? I simply don't know. Uh, Ask, I don't, you know, ask people, go to the management, go to somebody within the hotel and point out saying, why has your prices gone up? Is And have they just gone up for this event? If so, why? Get a justification for it. 0818 103 103. Hi, Patricia. On the 
Glad to hear that you are discussing the boy racers in McCroom. Somebody is describing them as young lunatic drivers in the McCroom area with their very powerful, noisy cars. Why are the Gardaí not checking up on them? What about the pollution not to mention the danger to other residents. Something needs to be done about it. And I'm assuming that, you know, the fact we're getting texts in, I'm assuming people are ringing the local Garda station. But I take it that the problem is that the Garda go and these guys and gals are gone by the time the Garda turn up. I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking that that's what's happening. That's when they have a squad car available. 0862103103. And then Shay, listen to this one from Shay. Shay said, I was on a CPC course last week and I was informed by the instructor that Leo Varadkar actually sold the motor tax in this country to an American company. Any wonder our roads are in tatters. And they tried the global warming trick as the reason for bad roads when the money is flying out of Ireland. The country and its people are sold to anyone with money by this government. I have no idea, Shay, what that instructor is talking about. I mean, the motor tax we pay, that goes into the general pot. How can the motor tax have been sold to an American company? I'll have to find out more. I'm unsure what that is all about, but it's not making sense that a motor, a tax that we pay, would be sold. I mean, I know, you know, things like the NCT, they, they franchise that out to and companies from all around the world um, tender for it. But I don't know how the motor tax, because we have motor tax offices. I really, I look, I'll, I'll see if I can find out or if you can get me any more information or any links to any more information. I certainly will uh, look into it. And I actually just see on your thread of your WhatsApp, Shay, that you've uh, sent in uh, a scam text that you received last week. Actually, I got the same one at the weekend. This is one that just came out of the blue at the weekend from, I think it came in from an 087 number saying due to address problems, your package is going to be returned to the sorting centre and you need to update with the correct shipping price and again they're banking on you either waiting for a parcel to arrive or perhaps you've sent a parcel to somebody else and they're looking for you to click on the link but I think we are well aware at this stage that you never click on any of those uh, links and someone else wants me to highlight and how worried and concerned they are, this is a listener in West Cork, how worried and concerned they are about the up and coming tourism season and how a lot of business are going to be affected, why there's not going to be enough accommodation for uh, tourists uh, because so much of our accommodation now is either housing Ukrainian refugees or housing people who, who are here seeking international protection. Well, I was reading, it was a piece from Senan Maloney, the political correspondent with the Irish Independent. I was reading a piece that he wrote about on this topic uh, this morning and it's to do with a secret government memo that claims the economy could take a 1.1 billion euro hit because of exactly what that listener is highlighting the lack of hotel accommodation for this summer because of the pressure on housing uh, refugees. The document seemingly, now it is a secret document according to Senator Maloney was presented to ministers in recent days and it's warning that the level of refugee and asylum seeker occupancy in hotels all over the country is now going to have serious impact on tourism spending in the coming months. The document also says that attractions and activities that depend on tourists coming into an area to spend their money 
those particular companies and businesses now are going to need some kind of financial support to keep them going. Full details of the cost were spelt out in this discussion paper on what they're calling displaced tourism accommodation. And the document which has been approved by uh, Fall to Ireland states that for every one euro that's spent on accommodation in an area, every tourism visitor to Ireland then will spend another €2.50 within the local economy. That's why, you know, when you have tourism uh, areas, it's great to have lots of beds, great to have lots of visitors. They'll spend their money staying in the hotel or the B&B or the hostel or the guest house. But then they go out into the local economy and they spend more. But I didn't realise the figure was that high. For every one euro on accommodation, two euro fifty goes back into the local economy. And the paper was arguing that there needs to be mitigation measures now put in place for the businesses that depend on those tourists. Now, that can be everything from the local coffee shop, the local restaurant, somebody who maybe rents out bicycles, somebody that does boating or any kind of activity, a play area for children, for example. And the breakdown of the 1.1 billion that will ultimately now not be spent by tourists this season was listed as the bulk of it, obviously, is going to be in food and beverages. They reckon over over half a billion, 881 million, 94 million will be lost in activities and tractions such as boating and kayaking and bike car, etc. 207 million will be lost in the area of transport. There'll be 198 million lost in retail because it's something we all do when we're on holidays. We all do a little bit of retail uh, therapy. And then under the, the heading other, 20 million was uh, listed. So you t- total up all of those and this secret document reckons that the the economy will lose 1.1 billion this summer. Now the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar is among those who were presented with these startling figures at the meeting and it was the Cabinet Subcommittee meeting that actually we met, referenced last week. It was the Subcommittee meeting on Ukraine. It was held last Thursday. Now seemingly ministers discussed the implications for profitability and the maintenance of jobs as well as other mitigating measures uh, where feasibility in the context of the budget in the third quarter of this year. But some of those businesses could be gone if we're asking people to wait and a decision, an announcement will be made uh, in the in the budget because the budget for 2024, which looks at for the following uh, year. At the moment, that's scheduled to be announced on the 10th of October. And I just don't know if small businesses and coffee shops and will be able to keep going during the summer months. If their footfall is down, will they be able to survive until the 10th of October to be told what's going to happen uh, next year? Now, the government has already intervened, as we know, to insist businesses with their electricity uh, costs. And God knows the precedent is there. They helped out many, many employers and rightly so during the COVID pandemic. The news of the hit in to tourism comes that it emerges that only a small proportion of government acquired hotel beds are going to revert back to tourism at the end of this month because we know that the various government departments who are dealing with trying to find accommodation for refugees and asylum seekers, they were starting to get really worried because they know at the end of May, start of June, the contracts that they've had in place since last year, they knew they were going to end and they were of the belief that many would revert back to uh, tourism. So they were going to have the headache and the nightmare of finding accommodation 
for the Ukrainian refugees and for the asylum seekers. But it seems only a small proportion have decided to go back into tourism. The number of refugees being accommodated in hotels and guest houses, it's currently at, it's a staggering figure, 37,500 and it seems it's likely to remain at that figure. Only two and a half thousand hotel beds have come back to the tourism market since the start of this year. And it seems fewer than 500 will be available at the end of June. Few hotels, B&Bs and hostels are coming off contract to avail of the seasonal boom. Now, a lot of that is down to the fact that they're now under these government contracts. They're fully booked and the, Their bills are paid at the end of every month by the Minister uh, for Integration, Minister Roderick O'Gorman. So you can kind of understand a hotel that maybe is thinking, "Mm, I might only be 50% full or I might have a good week and then I might have a slack week the following week. Looking at their books and realising, well, if I stay with these government contracts, then I'm 100% full for the duration of the contract. And I know one of the independent uh, TDs, Carol Nolan, she says the response to an international crisis has now created a national crisis for our own tourism sector and our own tourism businesses. And uh, she's a member of the Rural Independent uh, Group and they've regularly warned about the tourism spend disaster this summer as a result of the accommodation crisis. And and of course, one of our own uh, TDs is a member of that group, uh, Michael Collins, uh, down in West Cork. And of course, West Cork is an area very much dependent on tourism. And and I know I've spoken with Michael. I mean, as early, I would say, as this time last year, people were starting to worry about what would happen if, you know, so many of the tourism beds were taken up housing uh, refugees. What would happen? Where would the uh, tourists go? And there has been warnings at Dáil committees. Board Falta have been highlighting it, that there is a lack of, of, and that lack of availability is also then driving up high prices of hotels and anyone who's doing a staycation or anyone that needs to stay somewhere, if you're going to a concert or a wedding or a family event, everyone's giving out about the price of hotels. But a lot of that is down to a lack of availability. And whenever there's a lack of availability, guess what? The prices on the beds that are available go up in price. So, but to see it in a stark figure, 1.1 billion being lost uh, to the economy. That is a huge, huge sum of uh, money. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Trish, one of our very honest listeners, has just been on to say she found a laptop in the park in Glandorn and she found it at the weekend. She said it looks like a child's laptop. Somebody left it behind. We're in the park bit of a run around having a bit of playtime and of course the child's mind wandering somewhere else forgot to bring the iPad at home if anybody is missing an iPad and you were in Glandor at the weekend we have all of Trisha's details You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast phone and text lines are currently closed We're off to the Health Hub store Times Square in Balancolic where Annalise Drussell uh, joins me Good afternoon Annalise Good afternoon Patricia And you're very welcome and I want to start with a really lovely lovely text that uh, Anne, one of your customers, sent in earlier to say, Hi Patricia, I heard you referencing GPs and how expensive it can be to go to the GP. Well, I look forward to Annalise every Monday as myself and my husband called in to her store two weeks ago and whatever anxieties you had going in, Annalise 
his serene, calm, gentle approach alone banished all the butterflies. She yeah. gave us her time, her listening ear, her genuine concern and her exceptional expertise. And she is so, so knowledgeable. A lot of ailments can be addressed nat- uh, naturally. Uh, whilst we do and will always need the medical profession, we should try the alternative uh, routes as well. And that's from somebody called Anne. Well, that's very, very yeah. kind. And actually, I do agree, Patricia, that like, we could, if we could incorporate the natural approach, we could take a lot of pressure off our hospitals. It's not that it should be followed alone. I'm always very suspect of anyone who says, don't take medicines, because there's amazing medicines out there, you know. So, but it would be lovely if there was a combined approach, because we could prevent people from getting to the stage where they were so unwell they needed that type of help. Yeah, they, could, they should just complement each other. Yeah, they should. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. OK, straight into questions. Um, hi, Annelise. I'm 32 and have been diagnosed with endometriosis. I had surgery recently to lessen the effects of the pain, etc. But I'm still in pain and still a lot of discomfort. I'm wondering any supplements that might help me out. God, endometriosis is such a painful condition. It is, and it can be very severe for people, Patricia. And over the years, I've seen people who actually nearly need to spend two weeks um, of the every month in bed with such severe pain. And it is a fairly complex health issue because there's definitely more than one um, causative factor at play, I think. So for people who don't know what it is, endometriosis is where the tissue of the womb grows outside the womb. And then during your monthly cycle, it responds to the hormones um, coming to the end of their, your cycle. It bleeds like the womb tissue bleeds. Normally, the womb tissue will slough off, and that's what your menstrual cycle is. But when, the, when it's trapped in the, in the, you know, outside the womb, that just causes a huge amount of inflammation and pain. And over time, scar tissue can develop. It's very common that the bowel actually would become stuck. The ovaries can become stuck. So then you've got terrible bowel pain as well. So it's it's really is it's it's not a nice condition to have, um, and often a lot of the time it's dealt with by putting young girls on the pill. So by the time they come to the age of wanting to have children, they've all it's just it's just put it off for you know a time where it's going to be harder to get pregnant and they're going to be even in more pain. So address it at the root cause. What do you need to do? So the first thing really is to follow a very um, strict sugar-free diet. Because it's like polycystic ovaries, insulin, the hormone that is released when we eat sugar, has a big part to play in getting the whole hormone kind of imbalance sorted out. So following a low sugar diet, a no sugar diet and a low carb diet for a lot of people can help. Some people actually will do very well on a vegan diet, Patricia, um, but they can't tolerate red meat. So you have two options there and you need to follow the one that you find works for you. Then hormone balance is really important. So always with hormones, you're looking at liver support and you need something like um, a very strong hormone liver detoxifier like uh, there's one called DIM, D-I-M, diindole methane. And that supports the sulfation pathway whereby you detoxify estrogen and it's the estrogen, really estrogenic hormone is the very inflammatory one for endometriosis. So um, that is great for the liver. Taking fish oils for a lot of people solves the problem. And I've started doing an awful lot of research now on the black cumin oil because so many people started coming in looking for it. I've been interested in it for a while. But it is a lovely one because not only have you got um, the powerful omega-3s in it, but there are obviously other plant-based chemicals in that seed that are really powerful natural anti-inflammatories. And I've been recommending it as well for actually people who have eczema. 
So black cumin oil or fish oils are very good as natural anti-inflammatories. And then for hormone balance, you're looking at things like agnus acetus, um, vitamin B6 high dose. All the B vitamins are very good. Magnesium can help hugely with the pain. So a combination of all of those can work wonderfully with the diet. And I've had people who go pain-free and have managed to get pregnant, no problem wow. down the road. But you have to be, you have to follow it. And I'd definitely advise um, getting a nutritional therapist to help you. Yeah, okay, good luck with that. Uh, Bernice is in the city. Uh, says, could you ask Annalise, does she know is clove oil readily available? Uh, I was in my pharmacist with severe toothache and the pharmacist recommended buying clove oil. Yeah, it's fantastic for toothache. Um, and also the other lovely thing about it as well is it's a very powerful natural antibiotic. So if you've got an infection, it's great. If you know, especially if you have to wait a while before you can go to the doctor, a lot of the time they won't treat it until the infection is gone. So you should get it in any health shop. It's what they call an essential oil. We have it here all the time. Um, actually, I love it in the house as well. I burn it sometimes. Love the smell, yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. the smell of it. So yeah. yeah, you'll get it in any good health shop. Okay, somebody is looking for advice. A 26-year-old who sweats a lot to the point of clothes getting wet, eats very healthily. What causes somebody to sweat a lot? Um, hyperhidrosis, that's called Patricia, but there's unfortunately nothing really for it. I think it's just, um, it is just the way your body works. Um, like definitely if it was an older person, I'd be thinking of hormone reasons. Now, if the sweat is very smelly, I would talk about liver support. But if it's just fresh sweat, unfortunately, that that's just the problem. Um, of having that type of body. Now, there are things that you can do, not naturally, but if it's from the uh, the feet or the hands or the armpits, I would definitely recommend Botox. Mm. They paralyze those um, sweat glands and it can give people fantastic results. So that's probably the best way to go for that. Okay, any advice for a 14-year-old daughter? Ongoing catarrh, itchy nose and a cough. Now, she's tried antihistamines. The GP put her on a nasal steroid nose spray, but they haven't helped. Okay, so I'm not sure now. It's ongoing, but I'm not sure so for how long. So is it, um, you know, a lot of people after COVID as well, Patricia, got a lot of respiratory conditions that were very difficult to shift. So if it's definitely coming from the chest, I would suggest something like the Dr. Dealish Clare Mucotone is fantastic. Um, and then olive leaf extract for the immune system, which is also a, a, one of my top favorite products in the shop. And you could even try it for a couple of weeks to see was there any benefit. But if it's been going on for longer, I often then would suspect a food intolerance or an environmental intolerance. So the food intolerance you can test Generally, people with food intolerance um, and Qatar, it's dairy is a big factor there. So you might want to even before you do a test, try a dairy free diet for a little while. Um, But when I do the tests here myself, Patricia, what comes up most commonly are dairy and egg for everybody. Um, So definitely look at those in the diet. Um, That's probably the best suggestion I could give as well. Then in terms of if it's worse in the wintertime, it's more like a mold possibly and then getting an air purifier into the house would help but if it's worse in the summertime then there might be some link with um, pollen and dust and things like that so taking a natural antihistamine like quercetin can work really really well you'll get in a health shop Okay, question for Annalise. I am in my 40s I thought I was going through the menopause I'm taking perimenopause 
tablets. But since the start of this year, my periods uh, came back um, and they're back every month where prior I hadn't had one. I was only getting one every six months. What's going on? It's the way it can go, isn't it? For it's some people? the way it can go. And actually, I wonder, is that even anything to do with the tablets? The tablets, like a lot of these um, menopause supports have got plant-based estrogens in there, which are very mild, but it's like plant-style plant HRT. And maybe it's just propped up your own fluctuating levels enough to actually restart your cycle. I know that a lot of people, when they go back on H, when they go on HRT, a period might come. But the truth of it is, Patricia, I don't understand why doctors won't give women um, HRT when they're still getting their periods if they've all the symptoms of menopause. Because you want to take it for the symptoms, not you know for any other reason. I think doctors often think that it's good to take because of the osteoporosis factor. But actually, for an awful lot of us, really, it's about taking it just for peace of mind and for good night's sleep and to be able to get through our days. So for this lady, if she really doesn't want her periods, maybe she should stop taking the supplement for a little bit, see how her hormones go if they go back to normal. And if she gets her symptoms back again, I would think that there's no harm staying on that supplement, but she'll just have to put up with having a period. Okay, what would you recommend for a child who suffers from mouth ulcers? So uh, what I always recommend is firstly change the um, toothpaste to one without sodium lauryl sulfate, which is a foaming agent a lot of people are allergic to. So you'll get a natural toothpaste in the health store. You can get them with fluoride if you're worried about that. Change to that. And then use something like colloidal silver to deal with the pain. You can get it in spray form and spray it on. It just keeps them from getting infected and it can help them heal an awful lot quicker. And maybe if their diet is poor, take a vitamin C and zinc supplement because that's really important for wound healing. Okay, and hi Annalise. I, this is somebody obviously at the moment suffering from a very sore throat, yellow spots on the throat, finding it very hard to swallow. What can I take to help relieve it? Well, I think at this point, yellow spots on the throat definitely probably need an antibiotic of some sort. So you could gargle with, um, you could gargle with salt and water. You can get um, lozenges, Patricia, in the in the um, pharmacy, and maybe even a spray that has a little bit of lidocaine in it that might take the pain out. But in terms of eating, get yourself some lovely soup and smoothies and just make sure you're getting the nutrition into you to keep your immune system boosted. I find that gargling with the grapefruit seed extract is great for a sore throat because it kills off the bacteria. But I think if there's white spots, it might be a little bit deeper than just that alone. Yeah, it, could, it, may, need an infect, it may need an antibiotic. I think so. Yeah, Yellow spots yeah. do not sound good. No, no. Um, hi, um, Annalise. Is it okay to take different types of vitamins at the same time? And do you have to be careful about taking vitamins with other medication? Definitely. Yeah, yes, you do. Certain uh, natural supplements will interfere with medications. Uh, for example, a blood thinner is nearly always the worst one. Lots of things will thin the blood, like turmeric, for example, and coenzyme Q10 and fish oils. So the danger, I suppose, is that your blood could become too thin. Um, now, I always think, why wouldn't you just reduce the medication? But I think it's more complicated for doctors to manage that, whereas they know dose-dependent how much of a blood thinner to give to someone. So I understand that. Uh, but that would be the main one. Other ones, I nearly always just suggest, Patricia, to be on the safe side, take natural remedies away from taking a medication and always tell the health shop what you're taking medication-wise because we'd often be able to say to people, oh, no, you shouldn't take that. Um, also, one of the things about natural remedies is that it might speed up detoxification of medication through the liver, which means that you're not getting enough dose um, strength out 
to come through the liver at the other end because the liver is removing it too efficiently. So that might affect the way your medication is working for you. But if you wait two hours, it should be perfectly safe. Okay, and a final one. Any recommendation for somebody with itchy feet? Ooh. Okay, so the first thing there I would think is something maybe like athlete's foot, which is a fungal infection. You would get itchy feet. You possibly might even um, have peeling skin. So the best natural remedy for that is the grapefruit seed extract. Again, I spoke of it there as a spray for the throat. Um, actually, I also should have mentioned for the throat, Patricia. Delish Clare, of course, her throat spray is fantastic. And also Irish Botanica do a great throat coat. So they will definitely help with the pain. So uh, for the feast, do a foot bath with the uh, grapefruit seed extract. Put about 10 or 15 drops into some warm water and soak them. And then keep putting it on morning and evening. Rub it on with a cotton ball. And if that doesn't fix the itching issue, sometimes people would talk about itchy feet, Patricia, like hot feet. And that might be a magnesium issue, especially if it comes along with restless legs. So maybe take a, a, a supplement with magnesium in it. And that is, that's more of a kind of a skin crawly as a um, feeling as opposed to a skin itch. So that would be the second thing I'd try. OK, mind of information as always. Have a lovely week. We'll chat next Thanks, Monday. Thanks. Sure. That's Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub, Times Square and Ballancolic. And as heard on the radio, Annalise will put up on our website this afternoon, healthhubstore.com. We mentioned the price of um, the lack of availability is driving up hotel prices. Listener says, I'm trying to book, I was trying to book two nights accommodation in Killarney. The cheapest quote I could get was €300. Euro, and guess what? That was out without breakfast. Obviously, we didn't book it is cheaper to go abroad and then somebody who did get good service and uh, it says Hi Patricia I was at a birthday party at Neil and Cathy's in Gugambara Hotel at the weekend they are a treasure for sure lovely lovely people and a fabulous meal had by all we were wrapped in cotton wool for the day it's a hidden gem and it's a food haven well done thanks to everybody at Neil and Cathy's in Gugambara and that's what I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and I'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock on to the night Patricia Messenger very good afternoon Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.